Well, how many of you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan before? I'm guessing a lot, right? Okay, all right. Uh, well, I decided that I was going to tell you two stories that you've probably never heard before. Now, what these stories show us is who the Samaritans were to the people listening to Jesus. The first one is about the daughter of Jacob. So you may have heard Jacob had many sons, 12 of them, right? But he also had this daughter named Dina. Well, when the family was settled in territory that was not their own, Dina went out, it says, to look at the foreign women. She just was exploring the territory. And a king's son named Shechem comes and kidnaps her and keeps her and comes to her brothers and says, I really want to marry your sister. Well, Shechem is the son of a king in a very powerful region relative to Jacob and his sons. So really, he's an enemy, and they're angry at him for having kidnapped their sister. And so they say, because they're not going to be able to fight to get her back, right? It's sort of like he's already got her. It's not like they have her and they can choose whether to say yes or no. And so they say, okay, fine. You can have our sister, but our family practices circumcision. So if you want her, you and your whole town are going to have to be circumcised. All right, so this, they have to undergo this operation. They say, okay, sure, whatever. So all the men in the town get circumcised and have this operation. And while they are in pain from this operation, then uh, Dina's brothers raid the town because they can't fight back and capture their sister and take her home. All right. So Shechem is the guy. I told you, you've never heard this story before, right? Anyone? It's in the Bible. Trust me. Genesis. You've heard it. Okay. So yeah, EFM folks too, maybe. All right. So Shechem is the guy who gives his name to the town Samaria. So when they talk about the Samaritans, they're thinking of this guy, this old enemy who captured our, you know, our ancestor's sister. All right, but there was that one time when we got the better of them. They like to tell that story. Okay. Well, eventually that region actually does come to be dominated by what we call the nation of Israel, which is different than Judah. So long history lesson, but, uh, which I'll, I'll spare you all of it. But it's these descendants uh, from some of Jacob's sons who form the northern kingdom of Israel, which eventually becomes the enemy also of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. Uh, so, that, so their capital is Samaria, this same town. Now, the kings are always in competition with each other. At one point, there's King Rehoboam in the south and King Jeroboam in the north. And King Jeroboam wants to create a competing place of worship so his people will stop going to Jerusalem. So he chooses Samaria, that very place, to be the capital where people will come to worship. And uh, it's kind of like if Bentonville said, oh, you know, it's very nice you have this uh, uh, theater and the Walton Arts Center, but we're going to build our own Walton Center, Arts Center so people will stop going to Fayetteville to see Broadway shows. We want our own, right, those people to the north. All right, maybe I, that's all I had to say, right? If Bentonville, Samaritans, I don't know, just kidding. All right, so this is the idea. They're like, let's have Samaria compete with uh, Jerusalem. So eventually, the people who inhabit this region in the north have their capital at Samaria and worship God in a way that competes with the people who worship at Jerusalem. Now, these are also very 
powerful military opponents of Judah. So this is going to get me to my second story. Uh, and I'll, I'll actually have to flip to Second Chronicles to make sure I get all this right. So there's a huge battle. Um, and it, Judah at the time has King Ahaz, who's not that great. So according to this biblical version of events, it says uh, that King Ahaz was given into the hands of the king of Aram. So that's even more north than Israel, where we would put Syria, um, and also to the king of Israel. So the king of Israel, it says, let's see, killed 120,000 in Judah in one day, all of them valiant warriors. Okay, so, so kills that, takes that, uh, kills that many people, and then takes, let's see, 200,000 of their kin, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much booty and brought them and the booty to Samaria. Okay, so this king of Israel cap kills people, then captures everyone else, captures booty, and takes it to Samaria. All right, these are the kind of people that Samaritans are, they think. But it just so happens that there's a prophet in their midst who says, what you really need to do is send all these captives and booty back. And so it says, again in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, those who were mentioned by name got up and took the captives. So these are Samar people in Samaria taking the Judean captives. And with the booty, they clothed all that were naked among them. They clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink, and anointed them. And carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys, they brought them to their kindred at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. These Samaritans in this earlier scripture, do all the same things that our Samaritan in today's gospel does. They anoint wounds with oil, they feed their prisoners, they put them on donkeys, and they carry them to Jericho, the very same place that the Samaritan is headed. The story about Dina and her brothers is a story of that one time when those scrappy sons of Jacob got the better of the Samaritans. This is a story about that one time that our worst enemies were actually merciful to us. Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us of this moment and asks us to recognize it as a time when even those Samaritans could be merciful. And Jesus says, if even those guys can be merciful, how much more could you be merciful? It's not the greatest story of kindness about what attitude toward one enemy, one's enemies. It's kind of using them as a bad example, but saying even there you can find these moments of mercy. I hope that in all of our lives, at least once, we see unexpected mercy from someone who has power over us. And we can recognize in that moment of mercy God's work. And if we can see it even there, how much more could we go and do likewise? Amen. <laughs>